Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. Today, I am coming to you from the command center of the Immortelligent Leadership Institute, where I am in an undisclosed location because I'm written into the vault of where I have stacks and stacks of the resources that I have, especially for you. They are selected. So today, I'm going to reach as right now into the vault. Okay, I've, I, I've got it. Oh, yeah, let me put that down here. All right, we've got it. We've got it. So let us begin to unpack today's episode. And today it's going to be a very heavy one. I can tell you from the very beginning that this is not going to be our regular episode because I'm going to probably step into something today that you might not um, be used to having listened to the 93 other episodes of my show. But you should not be surprised when I mentioned at the very beginning, when I first started the Kings of Grand show, that I will challenge some things that I believe when leadership is either, you know, just as the, not status quo per se, but I've always done it this way idea. We hear things and we just accept it for what it is and never challenged it because it's always, always been, right? And so you, you've kind of heard me do, do that in different episodes where I call attention to some things and some others not to criticize because it's not that I'm coming from a a position of I am I know it all. I've got a handle on this and nobody else does. No, please hear me. It is as what I suppose in my book, my newest book, The Immortelligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Failed and Become the Leader Everyone Loves and Wants to Follow. I talk about my many failures, but I talk about the idea then of a leader is going to stand out and be the leader that su- the leader that succeeds where others failed. They've got to do some things different. And one of those things I talk about in the seven essential traits I outline in the book is that leadership is directorship. And that's the number seven essential trait that I have outlined because there's some at some point as a leader, you and I have to make a tough call. We've got to tap. We've got to tackle tough decisions or tough situations. We cannot run away from it because that's not leadership. 
However, it's how we do it that matters, right? You know, I'm from the school where I, I, I'm trying to work from a both and perspective. We we we're in a world, or we grew up in a culture that we've been taught mainly either or, right? So we have night and day, which is that's just nature, right? We cannot get around that. We have black and white. We we hear um, Apple and Android, right? And you could go down the list and hear and see all of the almost a binary approach, one or zero, right? But I believe there could be a both. Both can coexist, and so I am from the angle where I look at things and say. Why can't we then have both? Why it does it have to be either or? And so when I talk about leadership as directorship and the need that we make decisions, we've got to look at things sometimes from a perspective that raises an angle or a perspective that may not have been considered, ought to be considered, ought to be inserted in the arena of ideas and debate, not to create problems or conflict, but it's to say, why can't we exercise our free will to share our ideas, but do it in a manner that truly represents or reflects that which we are Exposing, for example, well, let me not jump ahead of myself because I think that I am doing that right now and I don't want to get there too quickly. I want to set the stage why I title this episode Final Score US Women's Soccer Team One, Megan Rapinoe Zero, and leadership lessons that we can take away from this. I don't want you to hear me in any way. Some, you know, picking a fight, and that's that's not the word I'm looking for. I don't want you to hear me trying to use this trendy topic as something to bring in my own beliefs, my own. Agenda. I want you to hear me from a a position of neutrality. I want you to hear me from a position of what I expose on this show about leadership, intelligent leadership, about what effective leaders do, what smart leaders do, what leaders who succeed do, and those who don't what they also do, right? So I'm always making a contrast. And lately, because of what has happened in the U.S. women's soccer team, which I want to congratulate. Women, I want to say to every one of you, congratulations. Great job. I mean, you know, to have won four World Cup. I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. And so, you know, big props to the team, big props to the coach and all that make all that went into making it happen. The players outstanding, 
to have taken on all these other teams and won and won and won. And and really, you know, it's amazing. That's really outstanding. And I cannot say enough about that because, you know, I'm a soccer player. You know, I grew up in Jamaica, so I played soccer all my my life, basically, you know, my younger life. And I don't play. I haven't played in years now because I'm much older. And it doesn't mean I can't play, but my my skills and all of that, you know, it's not as what it used to be as it's true about you as you age as well, right? <laughs> so I'm not the only one. But soccer is is that international sport. It's the sport that I grew up playing and the world outside of the United States, almost every person plays that. I mean, so it's it's really a fairly new sport that's catching on in the United States, especially. And and that is a lot of play, a lot of a lot of growth to be taken to be made, a lot of, uh, you know, yeah, growth that needs to occur. And and so this whole issue about equal pay for women playing soccer as men do, that's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. I mean, just economics, I mean, business. And I'm, I'm saying that not because I don't believe women should be paid what they're worth. I do believe they should be paid what they're worth. But economy or the economics drive is a driving factor. So it sounds very good. Politically, it sounds very good to make the case for a gender issue. It, it sounds very good to, to really make the, you know, use this as a weapon to weaponize an argument that really should not be brought into this conversation. Because men's soccer, remember now, it's a universal sport. And around the world, it's a billion dollar industry. And you look around as far as the men's soccer they bring in a whole lot more money than women's soccer. What, 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 what really grieves me, and I just want to restrain myself here, because when I hear some people are talking about this and jumping on the bandwagon and being so reckless with their words and throwing all these ideas around, even politicians, it really irks me. Why? Because they know better. They, majority of them, well, I'm... Let me say, most of them know better. Others, if they don't, they should. Because how can you pay someone for a job? So let's compare this in a workplace. Say, for example, a woman is working in a company that only makes $100,000 a year. And someone is working in another company. A guy is working in a company that makes $100 million a year, right? But they're doing similar jobs. Should the person who makes who's working in this smaller company, be paid equal amount because they're doing a similar job to the person who is in a bigger company doing a doing a, a job that's likewise? Should they be paid the same amount? Obviously not. doesn't make any sense. And what, what irks me is that some of these people who are on this bandwagon, if I ask them, how many games have they gone and paid money to go and watch women's soccer? And how many of them have watched men's soccer? I guarantee that majority of people who have watched soccer around the world will watch men's soccer than they would do women's soccer. You know, you think about, as I mentioned before, this comparison-wise, say say women's soccer may bring in, say, $80 million, right? $80 million revenue. Men's soccer bring in $4 billion dollars. So let me ask you this question. Let's do the math. 
should a guy who who brings in so much more money in the soccer realm be paid the same amount for women who brings in less money? Let's even take that into the basketball arena. Should the, the basketball players, why don't we then hear that the women's basketball players be paid equal amount as the men's basketball players? Why, why aren't we making that argument? Why not? It only stands to reason if we want to run with that, run with that argument in soccer, why not bring it over into basketball? Why is the women's basketball league struggling? Any answer? And you know, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. But let me I'm getting off the tap off the topic because I'm so heated up that I wanted to do this show. And like I said, it's gonna be different because uh, normally I would do the Did You Know segment, which I talk about an attraction in Jamaica. We won't we won't do that today because I want to make sure that I get enough time to do this this whole episode because I want to share with you five leadership takeaways from this women's soccer victory that they've had in the World Cup. But I want to go back then to the idea that when we look at women's soccer and what has happened, I again, I want to make sure that you hear me saying I congratulate all the players. They all did a phenomenal job. They would not have become victorious as they did, as they have, had they not done that. So I want to say kudos, you know, yay, go USA women's soccer. I'm all for that. But here's where I go. So I would say then because of that, because they have won, because they have done an incredible job, they won. So their score is one. Now here is where things get a bit, what should I say? A bit hairy, a bit um, maybe create a stir. It may be controversial, some things I will say, but I will say them anyway. And I would love to have your feedback. As long as you get into a very, you know, a very educational, informed debate. You know, I don't answer things that are just people are, are looking for just to cause a, a, an argument or looking for an opportunity to just voice their five their five minute minute of fame. You know, I, I don't get into that. But if you want to have a constructive dialogue, let's talk about it. Fine. I I'm, I would love that. Let's get on a show together. Let's get on this show and talk about it in a very constructive way about what I'm what I'm about to say. Now why didn't I say United States women's soccer won Megan Rapino zero and the leadership lessons? Well I want to share with you five leadership lessons from this what has happened. And let's see what which, whether you agree or not. Now, the first lesson I would say here that effective leaders. Now, I'm, again, I'm not singling out Megan Rapino because Well, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am singling her out because she's a captain, the leader of the team. Right. So as a leader of the team, you are expected to lead in a manner that you truly represent the team. And I will share about that as my last point in this five leadership lessons. But the first thing that leaders do, effective leaders, or I would say intelligent leaders, is they keep their eyes on the big picture. Like in this case, they're not 
just so short-sighted that they only see what's before them right now. They're looking at the decisions they make. They're looking at the how they behave and how it affects more than just the singular event that they're involved in. They look at how does this play out in the arena, in the bigger picture? How does this look for not just the event, in this case, winning the, the World Cup as what US, U.S. soccer, women's soccer did, but look at the bigger picture, the rippling effect. Women, little girls, families, business, and you look at all of that. Because if you are, as a leader, you're just so short-sighted and you can only see what's before you, you're going to crash into something you did not see coming your way. You did not consider. You know, I, I um, talk about in my book the idea of leadership is partnership. And I, I did an episode about that where I shared how someone had asked me the question about diversity and the need for having a, a diverse group or a diverse team and a representation on that team of more than just one you know, racial, racial representation or cultural representation. Now, you can't have, of course, every single one, but you have one that is at least somehow represent other culture, cultural idea or understanding so that when you come together and have a conversation and make a decision, you would have heard a voice that you may not have thought about or a perspective, let's put it that way, that you may not have thought about. I talk about recently the whole controversy with Nike and the Betsy Ross flag and how that that the, the error, the mistake they made, and I said, it's not so much pulling the shoes, but how did they even, even get to that point? Why couldn't somebody on the team have seen what Colin, I mean, Colin Kaepernick brought to their attention? You mean nobody thought about that? And my whole contention was, could it be that they lacked that voice of an outside representation from among just those who were meeting. And that probably would not fall through the crack. So keeping your eyes on the big picture is trying to not just think about the immediate, but think long-term. The long-term fallout and how this play out beyond me as a leader, but for the company and what that looks like going forward. So I'm thinking futuristic. So good leaders, effective leaders, great leaders, keep their eyes on the big picture. Number two, and, and here's where I think when I mentioned about Megan Rapino, watch her behavior, and I'll, I will get into that a little bit more, but her behavior and the things, the antics that's all been surrounding her, right, is, is very short-sighted, very short-sighted, and I will get more into that. Number two, great leaders, smart leaders, intelligent leaders do not make it about them and their cause. You know, I, um, Simon Sinek wrote a book that 
I think great leaders eat last. And he talked about in the military how the leaders, right, would have would make sure the troops eat first. And he took that idea and say, this is a great lesson to be taught in the era of leadership, right? And, and so he expounded on that because the leaders are not making it about them. They're trying to make sure that their team, those that they're leading, get a spotlight moment. You know, I, I talked about this again in my book and also on past episodes where I shared how when I've watched in some cases where a team, like the basketball team or a football team, when they won, you know, I'm talking American football, right? When the, the team wins, most times I've seen the coaches, they will quickly hand off the trophy to the players and they will step back and let the players have their moment, have their moment. And, and so they don't make it about themselves or their agenda. What I've seen Megan Rapino have done is drawn the spotlight to herself. She's, she is, is at lightning rod and she's using that platform to promote her agenda, promote her cause. And to me, that's self-serving. That's not what leaders do. Leaders represent the team. Leaders don't take away from everybody else on the team and make it about them. If I asked you to tell me or name, name the other players on the team, would you be able to? I don't. I can't. Unless I look it up, I would not be able to because I never, I didn't watch the games. I don't know the players. So I would have to look it up and maybe you would have to as well. However, I don't have to look up Megan Rapinoe's name. And here's how she, her name is surrounded by the controversies. The manner she has behaved, that's what has brought attention to her, right? It's like a child who we would say, you know, good behavior, bad behavior. This, they want attention no matter what. And attention-seeking. Great leaders, intelligent leaders, do not make it about them and seeking attention. And they will do whatever they have to do, whether good behavior or bad behavior, just to get attention. We see that happening today in our world, unfortunately, in politics, we see it in, you name the arena, you name the, the, the space. And it's unfortunate that people will behave in a certain way. It's like, I want to get attention no matter what I, so if I don't get attention for doing things right, I'm going to do things bad so I can get attention. As someone have said, bad attention is better than no attention. And so great leaders, smart leaders, intelligent leaders do not behave that way. They don't make it about them. And I'm sorry, that's what she have done. She made it about herself. Number three, great leaders, smart leaders, intelligent leaders, respect to be respected. What do I mean by that? They behave in a respectful manner. They, they want to make sure that if I'm the leader, for me to get respect, I can't co- coerce it. I can't force it. I can't demand it. I have to give it. I have to respect you whether you have my you share my beliefs or you don't. I have to respect you whether you look like me or you don't. I may not agree with you, but I respect your opinion. I respect your beliefs. I respect 
the fact that you may not think or act or believe like I believe, but I respect that. And if I'm going to respect you in that manner, I find that when I do that, it's reciprocated. I get it back. You know, my favorite book is the Bible that talks about what a man sows, he reaps. And it also talks about, you know, give and you shall receive. So there is a reciprocity, the law of reciprocity. And so if I want to be respected as a leader, I must first begin to respect you. Don't mean doesn't mean I don't agree with you. I agree with you. But I have to respect you, respect your position, respect your leadership, respect whatever. You know, I've heard many times how, you know, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And if I am not going to be respectful to you, I need to step aside and just not be a leader so I can just voice my opinion and do whatever I want to do. So I need to either accept the leadership role, which is going to lead to my number four points, or not, so I can just do as I want to do. But I can't do both. I can't do both. So we got to respect to be respected. Number four, and, and I, I say that because I find, now again, you know, I'm not a trying to advocate a cause for any particular political party or persons who represent the political party. But my upbringing and my anchoring is the Bible I mentioned earlier. And my teachings, my mores that I, you know, I, I stand on, we, the Bible teaches us to respect those who are in authority over us. I don't have to agree with them. But the Bible teaches, God teaches, I need to do that. So that's where my where I come from. So you may not believe in God. You may not see it that way. And that's fine. I respect you and your beliefs as I ask you do the same for me. But I believe that God has always been on the winning side, meaning that everything I look at throughout history, God is always one and everybody else and everything else have been zero. Right, so I, I I would lean towards that more than anybody else, unless they can prove otherwise and do better. Then I can then listen to you. But my point is that we respect, and as leaders who are going to shape culture and shape the future and be immortalgent and succeed where others failed, we've got to step back. And here's what I love about emotional intelligence: we cannot let our emotions drive us. We cannot be in the moment where we don't manage our emotions and we allow our emotions, how we feel about certain things, to get the better of us. And then we become emotionally hijacked. And when we are emotionally hijacked, we say things and do things that we would not do if we were not emotionally hijacked. We're in the moment. Great leaders, smart leaders, intelligent leaders do not behave that way. Actually, let's put it this way. Emotelligent leaders, right, do not allow their emotions to get the better of them. They are emotionally smart enough or intelligent enough to do, they, they, they are self-aware, they self-manage, right? They, their social awareness and they re, uh, manage outside relationships. That is what we see. And that is not what... Megan Rapino is doing right now. She's not been emotionally intelligent. She might be skillful in playing soccer. 
And intellectually, she may be, you know, her IQ might be, you know, I don't know what that number is, maybe great. But however, her display, what I've seen lately, is that it's not great emotional intelligence. And so, number four, great leaders, smart leaders, intelligent leaders uphold their oath of office. Now, what do I mean by that? I simply mean this, that if I step up and say yes to the leadership, and knowing that leadership is influence and leadership is makes impact, I'm taking, so to speak, quote and unquote, an oath of office that I'm going to uphold this position and I'm going to represent not myself, I'm going to represent the office, the position that I hold within the department, within the organization, within the team. And, and so if I say I'm going to lead by example, if I say I'm going to lead and follow me, then I have to represent the whole team. But I don't want to jump ahead of myself here. So I want to uphold my position, my, my responsibility, and to know that whatever the organization has requested and I have agreed to, right? Because again, I'm not just operating on my own. I'm operating within guidelines and parameters that's been set by the organization and the company. And I have to take that into consideration. Where my office as captain of the women's soccer team is a position designated and been given to me, but it's not in isolation. It's given to me in the confines of other parameters. So it's the United States women soccer team. It is the women, plural, I represent. So it's, it's more than just a position or a title. And that's why I, you know, I contend that not everyone ought to be a leader or given the position of leadership. And, and, and so I, I argue for that in my book, that the mistake that so many make is to give people positions of leadership based upon tenure, the time in the company, or based upon intellectual abilities. Those are not criteria. They might be part of it, but it should not be what is used to select a captain or a leader. It has to be based upon the person's emotional quotient, your relationship, your ability to relate with people. How do you do that? If you're unable to do that well, not just the team members, but in and outside, you have to master that. And that's why I give her zero. Because she failed at that in my perspective from where I'm sitting. And I'm not sitting in sitting in judgment of her. I hope you understand that. I'm just making an outside observation based upon the facts. Not made up is facts, things I've seen and read verbatim of things she've said. And number five, wow, man, this is getting too much longer than I thought, and I'm getting heated up here, but I hope you understand my passion. Because I truly believe that leadership have taken a bad rap. And and what I've seen here is not helping leadership. It's not making it better. And and I argue for how can we put the sexy back into leadership where leadership has become something that people look up to and just say, man, I, I yearn to be. I want to be a leader. How can I become a leader? 
and avoid all this, you know, this uh, hoopla, this dance, this drama that we find sometimes around leaders. Number five, good leaders, effective leaders, intelligent leaders represents the whole and not just a part. Some of these have some overlap. But what I mean by this is that I have to understand if I'm a leader of a team of a company, I represent the whole, which means that the parts are not going to all look alike, sound alike, believe alike, right? They're going to be made up of different opinions, ideologies, their faith is, you know, a, a number of things. And if I'm going to lead all this collectively, I must take that into consideration. So when I'm speaking, I have to think about not just myself and my own agenda. I had to think about the, the whole and not just some of the part which I represent. And if I am unable to do that in a manner that is leadership-like, I need to step down. I need not to be a leader. Because if my behavior is offensive to you on the team, and I know that, but I'm going to just disregard and dismiss because I don't care. I want my moment, my five minutes of fame. I want to be spotlighted. I, you know, and it's, it's so unfortunate. Ah, oh, it's so unfortunate to see what's happening the hoopla and all these things, the distractions around what has happened with the U.S. women's soccer team. You know, again, it's the United States women's soccer team. How can a captain of a United States soccer team, captain, leader, again, if you were just a player, okay, I understand. doesn't mean it's right, but I can give you that. But how can you be the leader, the captain of a team, and you're stepping on the United States flag? Now, you know, you may not see it as I see it, but I believe that the flag is not just a flag. It's a flag that has meaning, a flag that represents the struggle all throughout history of the United States. This could not happen in some other countries. Every country have a flag, and the flag, when it's hoisted, it represents, it speaks volumes. And therefore, if I don't like, and I have dispute, you know, this, um, a dispute with somebody else, uh, doesn't give me the right to behave in this manner. Because we, were, we as leaders, leaders represent the whole, not just some. And so, these things that really I've seen and heard, behavior, the, the way things are, you know, she'd said things and spoke. Again, she's entitled to her own opinion on whatever she believes. I respect that. I don't have a fight with that. However, when you use that or is using that and weaponizing that to do as you please, I'm sorry, that behavior is in is unbecoming a intelligent leader. It's unbecoming a leader that I want to follow. And again, you might say, Kingsley, who cares? 
you're not following her anyway. <laughs> and you're right. But my point is, I'm speaking beyond just myself. I'm speaking about the future soccer players, the little girls who are playing soccer today and begin to look up to her as a leader. Would you want your daughter to do things as she does and behave as she does? Maybe, maybe so. I don't know. But I'm just asking the question in a very rhetorical manner. And so I don't know how your thoughts are. But I would not. I, and I'm sure a lot of people out there would also think the way I'm thinking on this. Now, my friend, you, I, <laughs> I know that you may not have seen some of these things coming. And saying, Kingsley, wow, I would never thought you would do a show like this. And you're right. Maybe a few years ago, I would not. But the more I have gone into my, when I wrote my book and researched and see the power of emotional intelligence and how behaving that the, more, the most successful people, actually the highest predictor of success are those who are high in emotional intelligence. And I can tell you what I've seen in this area, in this one area of leadership, from Megan Rapino, based upon that, I would say it would disqualify her as an emotionally intelligent individual. Now, I'm not disparaging her or somehow, you know, putting her in a, uh, you say, oh, Kingsley, you're judging her. No, 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 no. I just want to make a statement here that because the, the four core parts of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. That means I'm self-aware of my emotions. And what ticks me off and what I, how I need to manage that. And then self-management, what comes out of that awareness? How do I manage those emotions so it do not cause me to say and do things that I would be regretful of? And then social awareness in my interaction with others in social settings. And then relationship management, which is the uttermost, the, <laughs> which is the, the ultimate piece. We cannot have great relationship management with others around us those we agree with or we don't agree with if we have not done good self-awareness. And so because of her management of that with others she may not care for and is on display, I would just say if I work backwards to the very beginning, I would say her self-awareness is, is not high because she's not managing her emotions and her feelings about certain things. You can, you can speak your opinion. I've done that. I've just done that today. I've done that today. I've shared my opinion, but I can do it in a respectful manner, not to tear down and disrespect her. I'm speaking about her leadership position. So it's not her, it's her leadership. And I'm just simply saying that does not make long-term success as a leader. So I, I, these are my thoughts and I would love to hear yours. And hey, get, let's dive into the mix. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about this. And if you want to have a conversation on the on the phone or on the show, I would be more than happy to entertain a very civil and respectful conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts. Your thoughts may be like mine or you may not be, but let me know anyway. So my friend, this show today I I'm gonna put back in, I'm gonna put in the vault, uh, put it, put it away. Because, again, it's, it's not like an evergreen topic because a year from now, two years from now, people may, may have forgotten about the United States women's soccer or Megan Rapino. Who knows? So I'm going to put this away in a special place in the vault, in the archives. And I may pull it out again if needs be, but uh, 
we'll tuck it away and I want you to be an be a witness to that. So let's put it away in, in the vault of the Immortelligent Leadership Institute. Here we go. Now that is put away. I can breathe out and just uh calm down now and have a very sedate conversation to say thank you for watching, not watching, for listening to this show. <laughs> hey, my friend, listen, thank you so very much for listening to this show. I very much appreciate it for hanging in there for this long period of time. One of my longest show yet. And I promise you the other shows are not this long. And this may be the longest show on record. Who knows? So thank you for listening. And I truly appreciate your, your support and for all that you allow this show to be. Thank you. And don't forget, my friend, you are one skill away, one skill away from being the leader who succeeds where others failed. With that said, my friend, peace out. God bless. And I'll see you on the flip side. Yay. Yeah.